Hello, and thank you for joining the New Life Baptist Church podcast. It is such a privilege to be able to share God's Word with you through this platform, and it's our desire that you would have an open heart to receive what the Lord has for you through this message. If you'd like to contact us, please visit our website at newlifecasagrande.com. There you'll find contact information to reach us directly, or if you're local to the Casa Grande area, you'll find information to plan your first visit. If you benefit from this sermon, please share it with a friend or feel free to leave a review. Now, let's get ready to hear what God has for us today. Hey, let me give you a quick update. Uh, God has worked in such a big way in 2022 concerning our property. When we first moved here, the Lord laid upon our heart a place off McCartney, about one mile east of Interstate 10. And uh, never really knowing that someday we would actually get to own that property. We bought five of it uh, probably about five years ago. And then, of course, the architect told us that we needed some more property uh, based upon all the stuff coming in, the highway being widened. And so we had to buy five more. And this past year, we were able to pay off uh, that 10 acres. So we're debt-free on our land, and we're just praising God uh, for that. Uh, he has been so good to give us his, just, just, just to show his blessings upon us. And now as a small new church, we're only eight years old. For those of you that are guests with us today, um, we have moved into a possible building uh, project. Uh, this is not our building. This building belongs to Logos Christian Academy, and, and we have had a great relationship with them. They've been so good. But, man, it would just be great to be in our own place. And, and, uh, and so we have hired an architect. He's already given us renderings and now is diligently working with the county to combine uh, two five-acre properties into one 10-acre property so we can start the process. And so we're super excited about uh, the potential. It's not going to be a bunch of white boxes like that. It's going to have some design. It'll be pretty. And, um, but uh, we're looking forward to, to being on um, our land out there on McCartney in our own building here someday soon. Amen, all right, is the right word. And uh, I just want to say... Uh, thank you for your giving. Uh, last year when we started, uh, not only did we not have the money to pay off the land, but God provided all of that. And then secondly, since then, we have been able to raise um, about $165,000 and we need about three hundred dollars to get to the down payment phase of this. But in the meantime, the Lord has funded everything that we have needed uh, to start the permitting process and that's where we're at. And I'm just praising God. We have had a local, um, um, I don't know if you call him a... a, a he owns rental properties, and uh, he has, um, he's a believer in Jesus Christ, loves the Lord, and has seen fit uh, to want to bless our church through the selling of these rental properties now, and uh, has allotted to give us 20% of every sell uh, toward our building, and the first house is now on the market, and is uh, they're signing contracts now, and so by the end of the year, maybe, or the first of next year, uh, we'll have a about a $57,000 gift given toward this that'll push us over that 200 mark, which would be just amazing. I'm telling you, 
for years. You, you guys know this as your pastor, oh me of little faith, thinking this little church can't do anything like this. Uh, we're just gonna have to wait 10, 15 years. And through the encouragement of people who have great faith, we moved into this process and God has continued over and over and over again to reveal how big he is and who he can use to make this happen. And so uh, we're just super excited uh, about what the Lord's doing. I wanted to make that announcement. Uh, that is in uh, the works. Hopefully by the next week or so, I'll have all these documents signed and, and uh, ready to receive this gift. And so just keep praying uh, in this direction. Many of you have asked, we applied for a grant. There's a, there's a group out there called the Lasco Foundation. And many of you have asked, because we sent out a prayer request about a month and a half ago, that we were up for voting from the Lasco Foundation. And what Lasco does is they give 50% of all the building cost only, uh, free of charge in a grant to churches. Um, but uh, they did not approve us this year, and I wanted to let you know. And they said the reason is, is they want to see at least $500,000 in a checking account so that they know we're going to finish what we started. You know as well as I do, a lot of buildings get started, then you run out of money, and they don't want their half a million sitting there on a piece of property doing nothing. They want to be sure we have the sufficient funds to follow through with what they give. And, uh, and so we weren't approved, but they told me to apply again next year. So I promise you on July the 1st, I will be at a computer applying again, hoping that we have built up that checking account to that point so, or savings account so we can move uh, into that. But I love keeping everything in front of you guys, letting you know exactly where we are and how God is working and what he is doing. He has been so good uh, to New Life. You know what? He's been good to New Life Baptist Church in allowing us to see people saved. Over the last couple of weeks, we have had several people trust Jesus Christ as their Savior, and we're just super excited about that. We've got a baptism today after the morning service for those of you who want to stay around and be a part of that. We'll have several people being baptized. It'll be right outside uh, on the other side of this wall. So I hope that you can attend that uh, as well after the morning service. All right. Hey, kiddos, it's time for y'all to be dismissed. All of our little sprouts, you may be dismissed out this door. Our kindergartners out here with the goods. And then first through fourth grade out this side this morning. All these kids, the rest of you, open your Bibles, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. Good morning. Glad you're here. 1 Corinthians chapter number 12 is where we will be today. Whose, whose child is that that just walked out with the pink sweater and the red hair? I'm so envious of you. My wife stands back there with red hair. We have five kids, not one of them redheaded. People kept asking us, what are you trying for, a boy or a girl? We said, no, we're trying for a redhead and still never got one. And uh, it's good to see the kiddos in church this morning. That's awesome. Open your Bibles, 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. Let me get you, uh, all of you that are guests with us today, and maybe this is your first time at New Life, let me uh, get you caught up on what is taking place in these services right here. Um, we're walking through a series entitled Regift, and and the whole point of this is not to teach you what to do with your presence on December the 26th, but rather to teach you what to do with the gifts that God has given to you. How many of you have ever gotten a gift that you regifted? Be honest, raise your hand. You regifted a present. I mean, why not, right? I mean, what's the sense of it sitting in the closet and collecting dust? Give it away. Let somebody else use it. So, so we're tying that thought in 
uh, to this whole idea of the gift of Christmas and our wonderful Savior, Jesus Christ. And I want to make a connection in your heart to something. Now, if you're not a believer in Christ today, some of this is just not going to make sense. It, it really, it, it can't, um, but I hope that you'll make a connection. Uh, those of you maybe who are just casual attenders at church, I hope that you'll put two and two together. And I, I, again, I just hope it makes sense to you. And all that to be said is this passage was not written necessarily to people who were not uh, a part of the family of God. This passage is clearly written to brothers and sisters in Christ. And let me say this, it doesn't make us any better. Matter of fact, we're just as broken as you are. We have just as much sin in our life as you do, and we need Jesus just as much as you need Jesus, okay? So, so I hope you understand this is not like, oh, you, you guys are better. Uh, th that's, that's not the issue. We're just um, ones who have received the participation, or, or let me back up. We, we have one who have participated in the receiving of the gift of eternal life through Jesus because we're broken, and because we're sinners, and we now have this, this Jesus living inside of us. And so let's take some time to understand this idea of, of re-gifting the gift that has been given to us. So basically, it, it just, we're going to sum it up. We have been given four gifts pretty much, okay? Obviously, you would say, I've been given so much more. But theologically speaking from God, number one, we've been given the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Let's simplify that. Imagine God is standing by the door and he is saying, come to me. Does God want us to come to him? Does God want all men to come to repentance? Yes, the Bible says he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come. And I'm trying to get to him, but I can't. Because around my waist is this massive chain connected to this humongous boulder, and on the boulder it says sin. So God says, come to me, and I'm like, I, I want to come, but I, I can't because of my what? Because of my sin. That's what the verse means. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Does, does that make sense? I can't get to God because of my sin. If God were to accept me with my sin, it would mean he condones my sin and is guilty of it. Are we together? Okay, but Jesus Christ came. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. Watch, my paycheck for being connected to my sin is an eternity in hell away from God. It just makes sense. Hey, sin has to be punished. I don't know where we come up with this idea that the government can punish us for sin and the police officer can punish us for sin and mom and dad can punish us for sin, but God, well, he's just loving and accepts all sin. No, that loving God is also a just God. He's a perfect, holy God. Therefore, he has to judge sin. I can't come to him. The wage for my sin is death, separation from God. But 
The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Jesus was born in a manger as a, uh, from a virgin and was um, uh, our payment for the sin that we committed upon the cross of Calvary. Jesus died in your place. So watch, Jesus unleashed the chain from, him, from me and he wraps it around himself, allowing me to go free and him to suffer the wage of sin. Make sense? That's the story of Jesus. Religion did not do this. Religion can't do this. It's not good enough to do it. Only Jesus could. Jesus became my payment for my sin and suffered my penalty. So if I allow him or trust him or believe and receive that, I now can get to God because of who? Because through Jesus Christ, my Lord. And I hope that every one of you in this room has had a time in your life where you received the gift of salvation. You say, well, I don't understand exactly how that happens. What do I have to do to receive the gift of salvation, pastor? I really want this. I don't want to die and go to hell. I want to be with God in eternity. What do I have to do to receive them? Well, there's a problem with what you just asked. You can't do anything. Jesus Christ has already done it upon the cross. If you could do it, why was Jesus necessary? All right? If Jesus needed a tag team with you, like he needed to die and you needed to do some things, he wouldn't really be worthy of being called God. See, religion says to do. Jesus says done. Hallelujah for that thought. It's a free gift. So imagine if we could, Graham, you do me a favor. I'm going to give you my iPad, okay? I want you to give it back. Would you, give, would you give it back to me? All right, before you give it back, what do I need to do? Can I have my iPad back? Okay, are you sure I don't have to go work? Do I need to be good? Do I need to pay tithes first? Do, you, do I need to go to church? Do I need to obey my parents? Hey, mom and dad, welcome from North Carolina. Good to see you. Okay. All right, I don't have to do that to get the free gift. What do I need to do to get the free gift? I just got to what? Receive it. Okay, sometimes when we look at salvation, I know I'm preaching to the choir, but I want you to hang on for just a minute. Sometimes when we look at salvation, we can't help but separate these two thoughts. I just feel like I've got to do something for him to love me. See, Judaism says you need to do. Catholicism says you need to do. Mormonism says you need to do. Okay? Um, uh, to believe in Muhammad says you need to do. You got to do this, 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 and because of this, God will accept you. And Jesus says, No, for by grace are you saved through faith. Ready? And that not of yourselves. There's that clause alone removes me from the picture completely. My salvation is all in one cart. And that card is Jesus Christ. I received him. Jesus, I believe that I'm a sinner and I can't do anything to save me. I'm putting all my faith, all my trust in you alone. I'm receiving Jesus as that free gift of salvation. Does that make sense? If you're here today and you're a believer, there has been a time in your life where you did what I just said. You called upon the name of the Lord. You trusted in him as God and savior of your life and you put your faith totally in him. That's a beautiful gift. And all God's people said,
Amen. So thankful that I didn't have to do anything. I didn't have to be anything. I just had to receive what Jesus Christ has done for me upon the cross. The second gift, are you ready? I love this one. The second gift is the gift of his resurrection. Because he rose again, this is crucial, because this is one of the things that separates us from religion or from all other religions is this. We serve a God who is not dead, but is alive. And he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And he said this, because I have risen, ye will rise Also, you and I have the gift of eternal life that is through Jesus Christ our Lord, the hope of resurrection. Someday, those of us who put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, recognizing he alone is God, he will rise us up again to ever be with him. That's the gift of the resurrection. Thirdly, the third gift God has given to us as believers is the gift of the Holy Spirit. The word of God says that as soon as I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, his spirit came to live inside of me. Now, this is not some kind of spooky Casper the ghost kind of thing, okay? This is literally based upon the Old Testament. They had a tabernacle first, remember? They had this tabernacle that Moses made and the people made with hands, and God's spirit would rest upon the tabernacle amongst his people, And then when they found a stationary location in Jerusalem, they built a temple in which the Holy Spirit came to rest and reside in the temple where the blood sacrifices were brought in and God led his people uh, through this particular setting. But when, this is beautiful. When Jesus went to the cross and he hung there, the Bible says the earth shook and, and the rocks rent and the veil of the temple was rent from top to bottom, not by the hand of man. By the way, man could have never torn the veil because it was so thick of cloth, but the hand of God rips the veil open, saying, no longer do you have to go into the Holy of Holies. Now you can go through my son, Jesus Christ, who's seated at the right hand of the Father to intercede for you and me, and I'm gonna come and live inside of you, not inside of the temple. Matter of fact, the Bible says that we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. That is, that is beautiful. God lives inside of me. He leads me. He fills me with himself and he guides my steps, my thinkings, my thoughts. He teaches me wisdom and truth. He convicts me of sin. Praise God because I would just be me lest it were for him living inside of me. Amen? I'm so grateful for the Holy Spirit. Well, here's where we get to this series right here. The fourth thing that God has given to us, the Bible says is the, the gifts that he intends for us to use for his purpose while we're still here. Matter of fact, the word of God says every one of us has been given this gift so that we might use it for the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, um, let's look at the Bible. Let's walk through this passage quickly this morning and let's understand uh, what the word of God says. So let's first of all, unwrap this gift. Let's unwrap this thought. Let's pull the bow off, pull the paper bag. We got somebody standing there with the trash bag in their hand ready to collect. That's me at Christmas. All right, Uh, it's just what it is. Let's, Let's unwrap this thought. Let's unwrap this passage with the Bible. Ready, here we go. Verse Verse number one. Now, there's a reason that this was written um, 
from the Apostle Paul to the church at Corinth. And if you are not a Bible scholar, you might not quite understand this, but um, these books are actually letters, okay? The book of uh, 1 and 2 Corinthians is simply this. It's a letter Paul wrote to the church and the second letter Paul wrote to the church. Galatians is a letter Paul wrote to the church at Galatia. Okay, are you ready? So in these letters are instructions. And some of the letters are like, wow, Paul's writing us. That is cool. And some of the letters was like, oh, no. Paul just wrote us a letter. It is not cool. Okay, that's the letter of 1 Corinthians. The Corinthian church lived in a wicked and vile culture. I mean, um, the, the sin in their day was rampant. And matter of fact, very similar to the day we live in right now. Okay, very, very similar. Roman culture and American culture have so many similarities as far as the wickedness that prevails because of it. So the Corinthian church lived in this kind of culture. And so, so, so the church who is supposed to be called out from the world and to live and act separately is not doing a good job. So Paul writes a letter. And in this letter, he gives corrections. He brings to attention their sin, their wrong, and then he corrects that. One of the things that had been happening in this Corinthian church is um, the body began to become very self-focused, individuals elevating themselves, and also had become very worldly. So instead of living separate unto Christ, they were starting to look like the world and act like the world and then beginning to believe what Roman culture was teaching. And so God allows Paul to pen this letter that's going to um, help them to see where they're straying and how to counter-correct it, if I could put it that way, how to make it straight and make it right. That's why we have 1 Corinthians 12. Watch what he says in the verse number one. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, again, that signifies who the letter's written to. I would not have you ignorant. I, I, I don't want you to continue to move on and not know about this thing that I've given you. I don't want you to be ignorant about this. Now, let me pause and say this. I believe that spiritual gifts are a part of the local church, and I believe many of you understand that. But the truth be known, there are people sitting in this room, as we introduced last week, that number one, the reason you're not using your gift is you really don't understand it. You don't understand what spiritual gifts really are, where they come from, why you have it, what it is, what is its purpose. You're just not clear. The Bible calls that ignorant. I don't like the word ignorant. Do you? It just... It just is it's belittling, but we're not going to worry about being belittled. Some of us are just, we're just ignorant. And ignorance is not bliss, okay? We need to know, all right? Secondly, secondly, some of you, the reason you don't use your gifts is because you don't feel worthy. You feel like, well, I, I, I was such a sinner in my past and I, I just don't feel worthy of serving in our church. I'm not qualified. 
I mean, that lady over there, boy, she is so talented. She is so, I, I'm just not. I'm not qualified, so I'm just going to, just going to come to church and just kind of sit and just mind my own business, right? And, and there are some legitimate people here that feel that way about their gifts. Number three, there are some of you in the room that have gifts. You know what your gift is, but you just refuse to use it. And it's just simply put, that's disobedience. You know, based upon the Bible, that the Holy Spirit has given gifts to every person, and you just choose not to do anything. You just choose not to serve. And, 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 and I, I see what you're saying, but, but just recognize that it's, it's simply disobedience, okay? So there are some that don't understand. There are some that just don't feel qualified or usable. And then there are some that know what's going on, but they just refuse to do it. Okay. Is that a fair enough assumption right here? And so Paul is working with that same kind of people within the context of the local church. And now because of the lack of people recognizing and understanding uh, false teaching and false thinking is starting to creep into the church. So watch what the Bible says. Ye know that ye were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols. The word dumb there just simply means this. It means um, voiceless, lifeless. It just sits there, and yet you serve something that is voiceless and lifeless and, and doesn't do anything. And that's what it means uh, when it says these dumb idols. Even as you were led, wherefore... I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. Simply put, here's what he's saying. At one time, you were carnal, you were not a part of the family of God, and you were led by dumb idols. Makes sense. We get it. But that's not true anymore. You're now a child of the king. You have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. And so you should not be saying these things, but rather, if he lives inside of you, you should be saying these things. This is what should be happening if God lives inside of you. This is what should be happening if he doesn't live inside of you. No bones about it. And so how are we gonna correct wrong thinking? Well, we're going to help you understand that you have gifts, that God has given us gifts. Notice what the text says. Let's look at four things in these first couple of verses. Number one, number one, there are various gifts, but they all come from the same source. There are various gifts, but they all come from the same source. Now, there are diversities or various kinds of gifts, but the same spirit so, so, so what the Bible is simply saying is this. There are various kinds of gifts within the church. Um, and matter of fact, isn't it interesting, the word gift, the Greek word for the word gift would be our word for charisma. Your charisma, who you are, is a gift from God. He has put that in you. And, and, and you need to recognize that that uh, the gift that you have and the gift that I have gives us distinctively different um, charismas. Can I use that word? Would you let me steal that for just a minute? But they're all from the same source. They're all from the same power. Matter of fact, they're all from the spirit of God. They're supernatural. 
I've heard people say this, and I'm going to just try to kind of butt up against some things if you'll let me do this. I've heard people say, well, well, I'm just not going to do that because it's just not my personality. Well, let's pause here because personality is who you are naturally, right? So I'm not asking you to act on what you are naturally, I've heard people say, well, I I would serve Jesus better if I could find something that just came naturally. Are you following me? Are you tracking this? If it comes naturally, then it's not of, of the Spirit because the Spirit's gift is a supernatural gift that you can't get glory for. And I think so many of us are waiting for a for a job within our church to do that just comes naturally to who we are. But again, it's, it's not you that's doing it. He is the source. He's the one endows on you this gift. And this gift is supernatural from God. We should be longing more for something supernatural from God instead of something that can naturally be broken because we're broken. And so my encouragement is to recognize what God says and the same thing here to the church. He's just letting them know that he is the force. He is the enabler. This is not a natural gift. This is from the Holy Spirit. But you ready? Every one of us has it. If you're here today and you're breathing, how many of you are breathing? Good, good. I'm so glad you're breathing because I am not going to do CPR on most of you. I'm just going to be honest. Secondly, If you're here and you're breathing and you are a believer, if I were to ask you right now, based upon what we said at the beginning of the message, you put your faith completely in Jesus Christ and your hope is in eternity through Christ, could you say, that's me, I'm a believer. I know Jesus Christ. So if you can raise your hand that you're breathing and you can raise your hand that you're a believer, I'm a believer, amen, then you have a supernatural gift from God without excuse. He has given to every man a gift or will give some gift to be used at a time in which he deems necessary. Number two, he says there are different ministries but one ruler. Look at verse five. And there are differences of administrations. The word administration just means ministries of service. But the same Lord, which means the same ruler, okay? Sometimes we, we get sucked into this mentality of, oh, I can't, I can't do what Karen's doing because that's Karen's ministry. And sometimes you ought to watch the ministry Karen has down front. If you know of somebody who is hearing impaired, who wants to come to church, you should bring them so that the beautiful hands of Karen can share the truth of the gospel as she speaks in sign language. It's beautiful to watch her do that while we're singing the different signs that mean wondrous. And it's just amazing. But, but, but I can't do that. That's Karen's ministry. It's not Karen's ministry. There is one Lord over all the ministries. He's just given her the gift to be used in that ministry. Well, we can't do that. That's, that's pastor's church. This is not my church. 
I don't own this church. I didn't pay for this church. I didn't die for this church. Jesus Christ paid for this church. He gave his life on Calvary for the church. This is his ministry. There is one Lord. There is one in charge. And, and that's what the text is saying. He is correcting these people and their thinking. Watch this. All of you have a gift, and I'm the one that gave it. And there are a lot of ministries going on, but I'm the Lord of them all. I'm in charge. That's why at New Life Baptist Church, the word of God is the manual. He's in charge of it all. He's the one that's in control. Number three, notice what he says. Verse number six. And there are diversities, again, various kinds of operations, but it is the same God which worketh. So there are different activities going on. The word operation is just a simple word for activities, okay? But behind the activity, there's only one power. Notice what the word says. But the Bible says, but it is the same God which worketh. The word worketh in the Greek is the word energio. Does that sound familiar? What does the Greek word energio sound like? Energy. It is the same word. It is our English word to that Greek Latin word, energio. God, watch, it's the energy. I hate to say it this way, but I'm making a mental connection. He's the energizer bunny. Okay, he's not a bunny, but he is the Duracell copper top. Right? Except his never run out. You don't have to replace the batteries. He's the power. He's the energy behind the activity. That, that, again, this is why we don't serve and give our all for God. Well, I just feel like, you know, I'd mess it all up if I did it. Stop it. You're not the energy anyway. He just wants you to willingly take your gift and just use it. He'll power it. He'll um, give it what it needs to work. He's the one that worketh through the activities. I don't want to be a part of a church and a people who are dependent upon self-reliance to accomplish the work. We need to be a people who are dependent upon the power of God to fulfill the story he wrote. Does that make sense? And this is where this church in Corinth is getting a little confused about who they were. There were some in the church that were thinking like, man, this is all about me. I'm doing a good job. There were some who were not doing anything. There were some that were bickering amongst each other about the different things that were happening. There was a lot of division in the church. There was a lot of happening. And, and Paul's like, I mean, he's, excuse me, um, Paul's like, just, just wait a minute. Wait a minute. Number four. Number four, notice verse number seven. But the manifestation, the word manifestation just means an outward, clearly seen display or gift or endowment of the Spirit. So God manifests, he outwardly, clearly shows, watch, he manifests uh, his Spirit and it's given to every man, every one of us in here who are believers, Let's say our room is holding 100 at the moment. And let's say theoretically, I would love to say this, that all 100 in this room are believers in Jesus Christ. You put your faith completely in Jesus alone and you know for sure your eternity is settled. So there are 100 of us that are working collectively for one. 100 
working collectively for one. So watch, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man, watch what the text says, to profit collectively. Fair enough. So, Dakota, nice beard. Do you use oil on that? No? Just naturally handsome. I, I get it. Um, me too. No, no oil. Just kidding. So, so Dakota's existence is empowered by the Spirit to help me. Ray, Ray McCormick is empowered for Sean. Sean is empowered for Ed. Ed needs a little extra power. I'm just kidding. Um, you, you see what I'm saying? We're all here. We all are collectively together for one purpose. So this is what Paul is trying to help them understand. You guys are scattered right now. And you've allowed such craziness to come in. And you're speaking in the name of Jesus when what you're saying is not even connected with Jesus. So I want you to know that I've given you my spirit to every one of you. And I've endowed you with a gift. And that gift is for the purpose of the collective body of Christ so that we might glorify God in everything that we do. Now watch what he says next. Uh, the Bible says, let's go to verse number 12. Uh, the word of God says in verse 12, for as the body is one and hath many members, all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. A lot of words, a lot of important words to define this. We're all part of one body but we're many members. And in the passages following, he's gonna break down in many simple ways what's actually in the box. So now we've unwrapped the box, we pulled the paper off the box, the bow is gone, the trash is in the bag, the box is open. What, what are the gifts that are down inside that collectively we need to use to bring honor and glory to God? So, so these are the gifts I've taken uh, the multiple chapters and combine them all. You have 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, Ephesians 4, and 1 Peter as well that give us some of the gifts of the Holy Spirit that God has given to the church. Now, would you give me just a minute to explain something, okay? Um, when we look at these gifts, there are two categories of gifts, and this is what we believe as a unit here at New Life Baptist Church. If you're a guest with us and you disagree, I would love to sit down one-on-one, -on -one, carry on a conversation. We can talk our way through it, um, but this is what we believe as a church here. There are two types of gifts. There are ones we call the temporal gifts. They're temporary and then there are the gifts that we call the permanent gifts. They're now until the Lord comes. The temporary gifts are these, speaking in tongues, faith healings, miracle signs or sign miracles is what we call them. And so we believe they're temporary because God gave these gifts to the apostles temporarily while we did not have the full authoritative word of God to confirm everything, to show God's authority on the apostles to start the church. Can you imagine Peter walking up saying, God hath sent me. Really? Yes, God has sent me, and I'm telling you what God desires out of you. Okay, can, can you imagine him doing that? And everybody going like, whatever. How do we know God has sent you? 
well, he has sent me here. I mean, I mean what, what validity is there in that? Okay, so there were temporary sign gifts. How do we know that Peter was sent of God? Because Peter stood and he spoke to over 15,000 people at one time in which there were multiple languages sitting out in front of him, yet everybody, while he spoke once, understood in their own tongue. So if there's 100 people, imagine there being 100 languages, and you don't understand any language but one, you're not bilingual, and I'm up here preaching, yet you're understanding it word for word in your language as I speak it. Notice I don't have that gift. Peter did. And so did the apostles. They spoke in tongues, and people understood in their known tongue while they were speaking because they did not have this Bible in their lap to verify their authority. Now, I can get up in front of you right now and say, Thus saith the Lord, I was sitting in my living room watching a football game. I had a vision from God. Or can I say this without picking? Because I was picking there. I was out in the woods and I got a vision from God, said Joseph Smith. Well, how do we verify your vision's right? You want to know how we verify whether that vision was right? We take a Bible and we line it up to the vision. And if the vision doesn't line up with the Bible, then that's not of God. You see how that works? Okay, they didn't have a Bible in the first century church. They didn't have the canonized completed word of God. They didn't have 40 different authors from three different planets and three earth planets, three different continents, three different languages who came together and woo, okay, and, and put the word of God, right? They, they didn't have that. So they needed to have sign proofs. And one of those was speaking of tongues. One of those was Peter reaching down and taking the lame man saying, silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give to thee, rise up and walk. And he stands on two firm legs for the first time in his life, and he's healed. And people see it, and 3,000 people believe on Jesus because of the authority given to Peter to rise up from the dead. You, you want to know how I know Paul didn't just believe in these kind of gifts outside of sign gifts? Because why didn't he heal Timothy when Timothy got sick? Why didn't he heal his own infirmity? Why didn't he heal those close friends? Because it, it's not like, hey, I've got this healing gift. I'm going to throw it around. No, it was significant. And every time the healing gift was used, it was to show the authority of Jesus Christ for the sense of the local church. Every single time. So we believe in temporary gifts that are not here today. The Bible says those gifts will be done away with when we get the fullness of truth that has come. We have the fullness of the word of God. Those are temporary gifts. Now we have these gifts that the Bible calls um, permanent gifts. I believe they're broken up. Many believe they're broken up into two different categories, gifts where people speak, God empowers their speaking, or gifts of service that are not necessarily connected with speech. Wisdom. The idea of wisdom here is some people have the ability just, just to discern a situation, to see it, and then take the word of God and plug it into the right spot. Some people have the actual gift here at the end of service and discernment of service, but we're going to kind of connect the two, if you would, for just a minute. Wisdom. You ever met somebody that just, man, they had great insight? So um, God has provided those people for me. I have an awesome wife. I have an amazing dad. 
and God's given me an awesome assistant pastor. And they have all pegged me. I'm a visionary. I'm a dreamer. Man, I can see great things happening off in the distance, and I think they're amazing ideas. And I'm the guy that walks into the room, and I've always got five really good ideas. Hey, honey, let me tell you about this great idea. And then I'll tell her, I'll say, hey, dad, let me tell you about this idea that I've got. Hey, Tyler, I think this is what God wants us to do. This is so exciting. Let me tell you about it. And then those people with gifts kick in. And I've figured them out now, and I know what they're doing. I've got it all figured out. They'll say something like this, Pastor, that is a really cool idea. But have you thought about, and I'm like, no, that was stupid. What a dumb idea. I cannot believe I came up with that idea. My wife, man, she, my dad is amazing with this. Hey, Dad, I'm going to go buy a new car. I, I can afford it. Really? You can? That's, I mean, new cars are cool, son. Have you thought about the insurance for that car? Well, have you thought about have you thought about what's going to cost to fuel that car? You're only making five dollars an hour. Okay, that was back then when I was 16, right? Right? You remember that? I'm like, I guess I can't afford it. That was a dumb idea. My wife, but but he never said. I never walk up to my dad and say, "Here's an idea," and he goes, "That is stupid." Okay, he's never done that. Uh, my wife, man, she's learned so well from him. She'll listen. She'll brag on me a little bit. Say, honey, oh man, you're so creative. <laughs> I know what's coming when she says that's creative. I'm like, forget it. I'm not even gonna tell you anymore. It was dumb. Right? Some people just have the gift of wisdom and discernment, and God has given them that, um, and it doesn't come naturally. And and that is that, that amazes me how people can discern and see that. Some people have the gift of knowledge, they're able to understand truth. Some people have the gift of prophecy. The word prophecy has two meanings. Oh, well, one meaning can be done in two ways. It means this. It means the, the, the taking of truth and proclamating it. Okay, so right now, I am a prophet. At this moment, I'm a prophet. I just want you to know Jesus is coming back on December the 25th at 11 p.m. I'm just kidding. He's not. All right, I'm not that kind of prophet, all right? The word prophet means this, means God's given me a truth, and I'm just giving that truth to you. That's all prophecy is, whether that is prophetically pronouncing something to come or pronouncing something that already is. Okay, um, there's the gift of teaching, the ability to take the Bible and help people understand it. There's the gift of exhortation, people who can, they just naturally lift you up and encourage you. They're so good at it. Even when everything's dark and gloomy and terrible, man, they're all, you're like, man, I just want to be around him. I want to, you, you ever, you, I got the people that I call when I'm really down because I know all I got to do is call them and they're going to lift me up. They just have the gift of exhortation. The Bible says there's the gift of evangelism, people who have the gift of God to share the gospel of Jesus Christ and people uh, get saved. These are all gifts used with the voice. For years and years I sat, and I don't mean to illuminate this, Josh McIntyre is one of the greatest uh, deacons that a man could ever have in his ministry. He is a servant of servants. And I told him for years, Josh, you're just a good speaker. You're a good teacher. Oh, no, pastor, I can't teach. I'm like, dude, man, you're able to talk and just deliver truth. No, no, no. And it was amazing. He started teaching. He's like, man, I like this. I'm like, you're a good teacher, man. You've been gifted with it. And all of us have different gifts like that that we just don't recognize. 
and we, and we don't see. And, and that we just got to get up and say, okay, God, I know this doesn't come naturally to me. And I know it's not something that I'm just naturally resting in. But God, I, I just want you to use me within that gift. And then you have the gifts of service. People who are good at administration. They're good at leading. They're good at getting people to do. You, they say the essence of a good leader is to get somebody to do what they don't want to do. Okay, so they're good at putting things together, making things happen. People who are good at helps. We have the best team here at New Life Baptist Church. I just got to brag on you. You guys are amazing. The way you help and serve around here is mind-blowing. And I, 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 a pastor could not ask for more. Thank you so much for letting God take your gift and help others feed people, nurture people, care for people, provide for people. I'm watching this happen before my eyes. And it's just, it's, it's awesome. Shepherding, shepherding is not just what I do. I'm supposed to be the shepherd of New Life Baptist Church, but shepherding means you have the gift of taking somebody and caring for their soul and leading them by streams so they can drink and feeding them. Um, many of us, our Sunday school teachers, our youth pastor, people like that, and maybe individually, you just have the gift of shepherding and caring for people. Mercy. How many of you have that gift? You say, what is the gift of mercy? When I want to drop the hammer, they're more like, let's just show some mercy. They can look into a situation instead of taking it necessarily for face value, they can show mercy. There are people that just have the gift of mercy. When some of us don't, we have the gift of wrath. <laughs> you know, I don't think God's given you the gift of wrath. You just have a bad attitude about everything, right? Some of us, you know, I thought it was funny. I saw this when I was studying. Some of us think we have the gift of leadership because we like to boss people around. <laughs> that does not mean you have the gift of leadership. It just means you're prideful, right? You have the gift of pride. And, and, and we could look at different things here. Some of us have the gift of faith, man. You're just, you're always praying. You're always seeking God. You, you always believe God's big enough to do it, and he can. The gift of faith. And, of course, the gift of discernment in situations. Being able to make the right decision at the right time. All these gifts are listed in Scripture in these chapters. I've just compiled them all together so we could see them at once. That's what's in the box. And here's what I want you to please grasp in this message. Recognize it doesn't have to be natural. It might become natural because the Holy Spirit is empowering it. But it, it's probably not going to be something you're just naturally good at. Secondly, um, it may be that the Holy Spirit impresses upon you one time with the gift of giving. You're not naturally a giver. How many of you are just ready to take the shirt off your back? And you know, some of you would raise your hand and say, "That's just me. I just, I, my husband just gets mad at me because I'd give away everything we own." You know, if it wasn't for him balancing me out, right? I mean, you just have that gift. Wouldn't it be interesting if somebody who doesn't have that gift all of a sudden one day goes? you know what, honey, I think we ought to take care of them. See, that's not natural. That's the Holy Spirit speaking, saying, use this gift I'm giving you for this moment. I passed a lot of people broken down on the side of the road. But there have been some times I have felt a convicting pull of the Holy Spirit to pull over 
and to help in this particular situation. It wasn't natural. I didn't have time. I was busy. I was tired. But God said, stop. Go. Okay. All right, God, give me that gift. Let let me use it right now. And I think sometimes we think that once we're endowed with a gift, that that's our only gift forever. Not if it's supernatural. You never know when God's going to, hey, do this. Use this. Take this. Apply this. Okay, let's close with this quickly. Number three, and we're almost done. Why? What is the purpose of these gifts? Number one, look at 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to look at verse 18. Number one, it's to please God. The Bible says, but now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body. Ready? As it pleaseth him. Okay, so, so that, that is encouraging and helpful at the same time. Here's why it helps me. It helps me to recognize that church is not built around me. Well, I came to church today, and I preach, and I'm home, and, and nobody said, thank you, pastor, and nobody shook my hand out the door and said, great message, pastor, and, and I, was, I was doing this to please who, really? Who were you doing this to please? If you needed an okay, if you needed an attaboy, if you needed a way to go, who were you doing this for? So it helps me to recognize, it, it doesn't, and you do, you do, but it doesn't matter if anybody walks out the door and says, way to go, pastor, that helped me. When I get home and lay my head down for my afternoon Baptist nap, it's good to know that I did it to please one to please one. He put all of us together in this as it pleased him. It's all for the purpose and glory of God. That is why we do what we do. And so so Paul's like, be careful. I think you've gotten things a little bit out of whack. You got to recognize what the purpose of all this is for. Notice what he says in this passage as well. And and, and I I just thought this was so amazing. The Bible says in, in uh, look at verse number 18. But now hath God sent or set, the, the word set is, it, it means it, it was purposeful. It didn't fall into place. It was set. I'm sorry I'm such a visual person, man, but can you imagine God going, boom, 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 okay? And I mean, not like he's guessing at it, but he knows where everything, I need that guy there and this guy's gonna help that guy and I need that guy there and I'm gonna give that. I mean, you can, the, the word set literally means that, to put into play, to set into motion. He has set everything as pleased him. First uh, Corinthians twelve eleven says, but that one and very same spirit works all these, dividing to each one, individually, notice this phrase in the capital H, as he will, as God would, what he desires. Number two, it is to make the body complete. We read this in verse number 19. We go back and look one more time with me. Verse number 19, the Bible says, but now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body as it pleased him, verse 19, and if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet one body. And then it's going to go into that, for the sake of time, just let me move through this. It's going to go to that familiar passage that the eye cannot do what the ear does and the ear cannot do what the feet do. Right, Mr. Foot? We got to have a foot. In the, in the, in the, in the, that is actually his last name. So he's going to cover that area, guys. Nobody mess with him. And uh, we need the foot. 
But here's what it also says. It also says the foot cannot tell the ear, I have no need of you. You're not the one that built the body. So you're not the one that can tell somebody that they can't be used. God has given that gift in order for it to please him and secondly, to complete the body. And you may be a part that's not seen. I have an eerie feeling that when I'm like 65, the doctor's going to say, you know what? You actually did need your appendix. Right? How many of you have had that bad boy removed? Now they're saying it actually plays a vital role in your body. Imagine that. Since I have a great creator that decided I needed it in the first place. And I got it. It got infected. They needed to take it out. But it has a place. And, and who am I to say, I have no need of thee. I'm going to remove you. We make the body complete. Every one of us necessary to what God is doing. Number three, number three. For the glory of God, to please God, to make the body complete, and then lastly, to care for the body. Keeping division away. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 25, let's skip down a little bit, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. Church, this is Paul speaking, you're acting so individually. And because of that, there's all kinds of mess coming in. All kinds of wrongdoing. But you've been filled with the Spirit. And if you are, this is what you should say, verse 3. And this is what I'm giving you the rest of the passage. And you are part of one body to be complete so that there is no schism. The word schism means division in the body. I don't need to worry about you as far as taking your spot. You don't have to take my spot, but together we complement each other. We're not divided. We complement. Remember, this is all for one goal. Okay, so watch what the text says. But that the members should have the same care, caring for one another. God enables us, he equips us and prepares us to care for one another. You know why? To be honest with you, it's because I need somebody in this crowd that does have great discernment. I need somebody in this crowd that's got great leadership. I need somebody in this crowd sometimes that's got mercy. Got the gifts of helping. I need somebody in this crowd that'll speak truth and knowledge when knowledge and truth is needed. I need somebody. True story. Pastored many years ago in North Carolina. There was a married woman and a single man who sat on my left about three-quarters of the way back. Every Sunday before the service and after the service, the married woman would turn around and talk to the single man while her husband was about serving. The conversation went from the auditorium to now they're parking beside each other, and the married woman and this single man are now having conversations extended alone while husband is 
doing his church duties, running around taking care of things. And from there, it became phone and texting and conversation. And from there, it went to meeting up secretly in restaurants to a full-blown-out affair and adultery within the church. And so here's what literally happened in this story. Nobody really saw it coming until I got a phone call and told me it was happening and I had to confront it. Once I confronted it, there was no repentance. I don't care. This is who we are. We love each other. We're moving on. So my job as a pastor that moment is to gather more. And so I went and got some more of his friends. And this was over a month's time. And we went and we said, please stop. Please stop. Don't do this. Don't do this. Get right. And get her. Get right with your spouse. And just, just, no, we're not. So now we're to the point where the Bible says we've gone three, four times. And we're in the discussion now of having to bring this up in front of the whole church. That's what the Bible says. There comes a point where if they're going to do this publicly, it has to be dealt with publicly. And in the meeting, one of the men said, you know what, pastor, something told me about three or four months ago when they were talking in church that something was wrong. And here's what he said, and I said nothing. And I I was angry because my heart was shattered. These were friends. These were church members. This was chaos and families, and it was pain and tears and crying, and, and my heart was shattered. You mean to tell me that the Holy Spirit of God told you that something wasn't right about that, and you didn't say anything? And he said, I just didn't think it was my place. Whose place is it? If a brother in Christ can't speak to another brother or sister in Christ under the leading of the Holy Spirit because they've been given a gift of discernment and have stopped division and schism in the church, whose place is it? Does, does this make sense now? This is what was happening in the church. That is just a, and I don't mean to make this an overly sensitive, serious moment, but we've been given gifts. Some of us have been given knowledge and understanding and you've got a brother who is struggling with something and he needs you to define it and explain it and God's given you the gift to do it. Quit sitting silent. And some of us have been giving the gift of cares. I mean, we're so good at taking care of other people, but we don't want to approach sister so-and-so's department because that's her ministry. It's not her ministry. It's God's ministry. Go share. Go re-gift. Does this make sense? This is why Paul said this. This is all about God and him being pleased. It's secondly, to make us complete because we need each other. And thirdly, it's to care for the body so that there have no schisms and divisions in the body. That's what it's all about. We've been given gifts. We've been given gifts. And God's like, unwrap it and look inside and see what my... Oh, that is a cool gift, Lord. Regift it. Give it away. Don't sit on it. Don't hide it. Share it. Because that's how Christ is glorified through the regifting. Through the regifting. I wish everything in me, everything in me wants to go around the room and illuminate how I've seen God gift you. I did do that with Josh, but it always gets me in trouble because somebody's thinking, why didn't he mention my gift? Okay, that's why I can't because I'm gonna miss somebody's beautiful gift and I'm just gonna mess it all up. That's why we hate giving away Christmas bonuses because there's always gonna be somebody going, well, good night. I, 
I serve too. And I, you see what I'm saying? It's so tough. It is just tough. But the truth be known, I literally could because I've served with many of you for now six, seven, eight, one, two years. And I could just say, that's your gift. And that's your gift. I'm telling you, thank you for using that gift. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for going there. Thank you for serving. And I just want to say as a whole, as a pastor, thank you for continuing to re-gift. Now, we're closing. He's like, pastor, you said that 10 minutes ago. I know. Short preaching is not my gift. It's just not. (laughs) All right, here we go. Ready? Some of you now understand what your gift is. Go use it. Number two. Number two. Those of you that were feeling unqualified, I hope you now recognize that it's not your power anyway. It's God's. You're qualified. He's not looking for the qualified. He wants to qualify the call. Number three, if you're living in disobedience, you're missing out on so much joy and help. Just say, okay, God, use me. How do you want to do that? Father, we thank you for the time we've had together. We want to thank you for joining us on the NLBC podcast today. We hope that God will allow this message to truly make a difference in your life. As you learn more about Him and as you study His Word, we pray that it will cause you to live out the gospel in a whole new way. Again, if you would like to connect with us, feel free to reach out by visiting our website at newlifecasagrande.com. If you are local to the Casa Grande area, then we would love to have you join us in person. We have services at 8.30 and 11 a.m. each Sunday morning with a host of other opportunities to develop a godly community to learn and to grow. We'll see you next week on the New Life Baptist Church podcast.